You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Good. Well, hey, uh, last week we talked about Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Today we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 10. But before we do that, I'll go ahead and tell you another story about my family as I've been doing. And uh, so we, we've been uh, fans of Mario, the Mario movie that came out. We told you about it a few weeks ago. We went ahead and bought the movie and been showing our kids that. And they've seen it four times, maybe five. I don't know how many times they've seen it. But uh, one of our daughters came late at night last week in the evening and we've had rough nights, like kids get up at 2, at 4, midnight. It just is part of it, you know. So this daughter comes to Josie around midnight, and she says, Mommy, do you ever have bad dreams? And Josie's like, yeah, I have bad dreams sometimes, yes. And she said, well, can I tell you my bad dream? Yeah, tell me your bad dream. Josie's like still waking up. And she said, I dreamed I was Princess Peach. And Bowser was trying to get me and marry me. And then Mario died. He died twice. He lost two hearts. So we've got to take a break from Mario for a little bit. Cover her mind while she sleeps. Put on good Jesus videos instead. VeggieTales or whatever. So that's just the fun story this week. But hey, let's go ahead and let's pray before we enter God's word. Father God, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful for your truth, God. Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate every heart, that any barrier would be broken down in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you would fill me up, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me, help me bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this point, David, he's on the throne. He's ruling the nation. He just blessed Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, who... And he's the grandson of King Saul, this man. So he gives him his inheritance, all the land that was Saul's, he gives to him. And so David shows this kindness to him, and he has this heart of generosity. Well, that takes us to uh, verse 1 of chapter 10. It says, In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanun concerning his father. So this man, Nahash, what's important to know is he was an enemy of the nation of Israel. And so he, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, it says that, that he went against the nation of Israel. He came to this place called Jabesh Gilead to a group of Israelites and he said, hey, you serve us or we'll kill you. But if you serve us, we're going to pluck out your right eye. Now it's to handicap these men. So if they did become slaves, that they couldn't revolt, that they'd have a harder time getting free. And so the men of Jabesh Gilead said, hey, we don't like that plan. Uh, let's, we need to pray about it. Give us seven days. We'll send messengers to the nation of Israel to see if they'll rescue us or not. If they don't rescue us, we'll be your slaves. So King Saul, he gets news of this, and the Bible says that he was angered, 
And actually, the, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he went with, with the army of Israel, and he relieved Jabesh Gilead from being enslaved. So this man, Nahash, is an enemy of King Saul, and I'm sure it's true that Nahash thought, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so he befriends King David. And something interesting to note, Naash means serpent. So I'm sure that Naash would have, if David had gotten closer and closer to him, he would have been bit at some point. But David decides, I'm going to go ahead and show kindness to this man, to this man's son, because of what he's done for me. And he has that, that heart of generosity. And you know, our king, he wants to show us kindness. The Bible says that the Lord's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. And it says in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. It's important that we focus on that Jesus is gentle. And I think sometimes we might think Jesus is harsh because he's God. We might think he's harsh because he said uh, he said some things to the Pharisees and Sadducees which, which were not very kind. But really, Jesus is humble at heart. He's gentle. He's gentle with you. He wants to be close to you. And he loves you. Amen, everybody? Just an important reminder. So continuing in verse 2, it says, When David's men came to the Ammonites, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanun, their lord, do you think that David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you to only explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So these men, I'm sure that they had, they had their own selfish ambition and desires to get close to the king, maybe to take the throne. And what I think is happening is that these men actually are projecting on the envoys, the, on the men, that, the messengers that David sends, what's in their heart. And so they judge these men, and, and you know, those men didn't actually know what they wanted to do. And it's important in your and I, you and ours life that, that we don't judge. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7 of Matthew, he said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. So these men, they make this quick assumption they get the ear of the king he listens to what they have to say and they move on it and something that's interesting to me is that Hanun's name means gracious you see bad company corrupts good character the bible says and i believe that who Hanun really was who he really is on the inside he allowed other people to corrupt what was on the inside of him. So he went with what these men said. And it's important that in your and I's, our life, that one, we don't judge other people. Now it's okay if it, there's another believer who's in sin and we call it out. That's what we should do. Because every sin leads to death. But also, uh, it's important that, that, that we realize, though, that we're not, we don't, like the scripture says, Jesus said, Hey, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. So we always have to look here first before we look at other people. And it's important to note that you and I are not spiritual cardiologists. I can't see in your heart. You ever hear somebody say, hey, I want you to hear my heart, or just, just understand my heart, or, or you know my heart. No, I don't. I don't know your heart. I can't see into your heart. I don't know what it looks like. 
Like we can't make assumptions on people. And then there are certain type of individuals we want to be around. James chapter 3 says, Who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life and deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Those men that were around Hanun were not humble. Verse 14 says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. There was envy and selfish ambition in those men. Verse 15 says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And it's also important that we ask ourselves, do I have selfish ambition and envy in my heart? Because all it brings is something that's unspiritual and demonic. It says, where you, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. But this is the type of friend you want around in verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's the kind of people we want to listen to. Not necessarily we can't be friends with everybody because everyone's on a journey, but the ones that we want to have who have our ear are those who are pursuing righteousness and God's ways. Amen, everybody? So verse 4, it says, Hanun listened to what these men said, and it says he seized David's envoys and shaved off half of each man's beard and cut off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. They sent them away in shame. Could you guys put that picture, the first picture on the screen? So this, so it's a little blurry. But this is, these are my favorite celebrities in the world. It's the Robertson clan. Duck Commander, Duck Dynasty, Duck Family Treasure. Just an amazing, amazing family. Could you go to the second photo? So this is a close-up of Phil Robertson. He has a movie coming out called The Blind that I'm super excited to see. It's about how God took him from the muck and mire, how he was... He was into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and God radically changed his life when he gave his life over to the Lord Jesus in a bar. And so, can you imagine if they took this man of God who's preached the gospel to thousands of people now, and they shaved off half of his beard? You see, the beard represented authority. The beard represented dignity in that day. And so, if they had done that, it was also a sign of slavery. A, a fully shaven person was a sign that they're a slave. Could you go to the next photo? This is Sai. He's the man. If you don't know anything about Sai, you've never seen Duck Dynasty, go home this afternoon and binge on it. It's on YouTube. But these men would not allow... Anybody, they would rather die than have their beard shaved off. And so when, the, when these Ammonites send back the messengers with, their, with no clothes on their bottom half of their body, and they shave off half of their beard, what they're saying is you're halfway, I think, this is my, what I believe, I didn't see it in any commentary, but I believe what they're saying is if, if you try to take our kingdom or if you do this again, you're going to be slaved. You're halfway to slavery. And so they show these men with shame. Go ahead and go to the fourth picture. They're not going to shit. They wouldn't shave this man's beard, right? <laughs> Chuck Norris, 
Walker, Texas Ranger, the man. But you know, I'm sure that, that the, even them sending them back, I'm sure there would be judgment from the soldiers because why did you let them shave your beards? It would be better if you died than that happened. So in verse 5, it says that it says that when David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. And the king said, stay in Jericho until your beards have grown and come back. And you know, sometimes you and I, because we're ambassadors of Christ Jesus, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, that message, be reconciled to God, is not a popular thing. Because what does it mean to be reconciled to God? It means that, that you can't live however you want. You can't decide there's multiple genders. You can't say that you can, you can sleep with whoever you want or, or be confused and live a life of drunkenness, a life of immorality. And that's the message that, that Paul's writing here. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what we want for everybody. And it's not popular. The cross isn't popular because it confronts sin. And it's offensive because it says that you and I failed. And that's why the message of the cross is so hated is because it, it confronts who we are and what's on the inside of us. And people don't like that. And you know, if we preach that message and we speak that message, hey, you can't, you can't live that type of lifestyle. You can't do this thing. Sometimes we'll suffer for it. But the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.16, it says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. We get to bear the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's for us and he covers us in our shame. Just like David covered these men. And you know, for you, you might have some shame in your life that you've caused. Now, in this case, these men, they show up. They have their beard shaved, and I'm sure they thought, how did we let this even happen to us? But there's also things that people do to you, but when somebody, or when you yourself bring shame on yourself, it's important to remember that sin has no hold on you. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 says this, So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another work, law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And say, he says, thanks be to God that who delivers me is Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through Jesus. So verse 1 of Romans 8, there's now no, there's now, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to live condemned and, and live in the shame and the weight of shame. You can ask for God to remove that shame from you. So Romans 8 verse 5 says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. 
But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Look, I, I can set my mind on things of the flesh. I spoke about it before. Queso. If I set my mind on queso, Mexican food, guess where I'm going? Mexico. El Rodeo. To get that queso. But if I do that every day, I'll become a burrito. Right? Well, if I set my mind on Pizza King, guess where I'm going? I'm going to go to Pizza King. And I'm going to pay an arm and leg for some breadsticks. Right? But we have, to, we, have to, we have to let our flesh die. It's not good for us. It's not good for our loved ones either if we live in this unhealthy lifestyle. And, and that's the same principle for everything. So if you fix your mind on, on pornography or on, on women, guess where you're going to go? You're going to go to sin and death. If you struggle with alcohol, you like alcohol, and you think about it, you meditate on it, think about that taste, man, I miss that, guess where you're going to go? But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And Philippians 4 is clear. It says that we want to think about things that are true and lovely and just and admirable and worthy of praise. We have, to, we have to take our thoughts captive. The Bible says we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. What do you do when you take somebody captive? You ask them questions, right? So when I have a thought, I, why is this thought here? Is this in line with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And that's a good litmus test. Is this in line with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's not to say you can't enjoy things. You can't go get Mexican every once in a while. I'm definitely going to. Right? But, but indulging in sin is different. We don't want to indulge in sin because what does sin do? It's important we remember sin separates us from our Heavenly Father. we got to let, let that die in us. And then there are some things that others have done that have brought us shame. You might have some hurt in your life because someone abused you, someone wronged you, someone spoke something against you, spoke something over you. A father, a mother who spoke something at you may have said, I'm ashamed of you. I wish you were never born. Maybe you have some sexual abuse that has happened to you. And obviously, it's not okay that that happened. But it's, not, it's also not okay that you hold on to that bitterness. I think that it's Dr. Keene who said this. He said, but it might, it might be Martin Luther, but it said, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. Another way to say it is unforgiveness is like letting yourself on fire, believing that the, the person who hurt you will die of smoke inhalation. Doesn't make sense. But that's what we do. We hold on to that and we relive what happened over and over and over again. But what does Jesus say for us to do with our enemies? He says to pray for them. If you want to be free from unforgiveness, I would, one, confess it. Lord, I forgive so-and-so for this and this and this. But then you take action and pray for them daily. Ask God to bless them. It's hard to pray for somebody and say, Lord, I pray you will bless so-and-so. And then keep that envy in your heart or that anger. 
So we want to do that. We want to let people go. It's just letting them off the hook. It's not saying it was right. It's not saying it was okay. It's not saying that there can't be any boundaries now because there's been mistrust. But it's just saying, Lord, I don't owe them. They don't owe me anything. Just as you paid the price for me, I let it go. Amen, everyone? The Bible also says in Romans 12, 19, he says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay. It's important to remember, sometimes we want to get somebody back for what they did. But we need to remember that it is not ours to avenge. It never was. It never will be. Whether they see what will happen to them, whether they see it while they're living here on the earth or after they die, there's going to be a price to pay. Remember that. So don't take it to your own hands. Don't use another relationship to hurt people. You've got to let it go completely. Amen, everybody? And I'm sure those men, they also were like, oh, we got to go back. And David says, no, wait. And it was better that they wait till their beards have grown, so also so that the fear didn't cr- didn't creep into the nation of Israel of look what they did to David's messengers what would they do to us verse 6 says this it says when the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David they hired 20,000 Armenian foot soldiers from Beth Robe and Zobah that's to the north as well as the king of Makkah with a thousand men and 12,000 men from Tob so they have 33,000 mercenaries they hire so that's about, if Lucas Oil Stadium's full, it's about half of Lucas Oil Stadium. It's a lot of people to hire. But what you to see is that when they realized they'd become obnoxious, what was their response? War. Their response was not to go back to David and say, hey, can we work something out? We're sorry we did that. We shouldn't have done that. That was an act of war. Forgive us for doing that. They had zero repentance. In repentance, is just acknowledging what we did was wrong. You know, a couple weeks ago, Leland, my son, who's four, he, uh, he was on one side of the door. I was on the other side of the kitchen door. And I opened the door, and he has a thing of floss in his hands, and he just drops it. Well, what he had done was he had taken the floss, and he had put it on the door handle, and he had wrapped it to the other door, that was in the room five feet away. And then he wrapped it from the first door to a boot. And he went back five or six times. Like, I, I think he was playing Spider-Man. But he was doing that. And then he wrapped it to a ha- another handle. And so I walk in. I open the door. And I really, wasn't, I really wasn't angry. When I open the door, Leland just goes, Oh. Oh. How'd this happen? And I, ta- I said to him, I said, buddy, like, you did it. You took the floss. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, he's caught. But, you know, sometimes we do that with our Heavenly Father. Well, we, we go, oh, I don't know. I'm never going to mention it again. But he knows your father sees, just like I saw my son, like, clearly, like, buddy, I am you. I know what you're doing. Our Father knows, and I think sometimes we just try to, there might be a sin that we we deal with, and hey, it's not going to hurt anybody because nobody's going to know. Your Heavenly Father knows. 
and is bringing death and destruction. So quit doing it. Right? We want to, we, in prayer, we want to pray, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. And yes, Jesus washes away your sin as far away as the east is from the west. But it's a wonderful practice to come in prayer and say, Lord, I did this. Would you make things right? We want to be people of the light and walk into the light and be exposed and say, yeah, this is the junk that's going on in my heart. And these men didn't do that. And I'm sure they could have, they could have had peace with King David. Because verse 7 says, On hearing this, David sent Joab and the entire army of fighting men. Notice that, Je- that, notice that Jesus, notice that David did not send, the, he didn't get the army together. Only, it was only after he heard about their response. And he wanted good for Hanun. He was going to bless Hanun. But then when he sees what they're going to do, okay, you're not going to be for me, then I'm going to be then you're going to be against me. It's the same with Jesus. Jesus says, if you're not for me, then you're against me. But this passage, to focus on this passage, in chapter, in chapter 10, verse 7, it says, the entire army of fighting men, some translations say mighty men, entire army of fighting, of, of fighting, fighting, of mighty men. In 2 Samuel 23, it lists some of the accomplishments of the mighty men. There was Adino, or Aiden is how you say his name, but it looks like Adino. Uh, it says he killed 800 men with the spirit one time. Man, I'd watch that movie. You call 800, and it would be awesome with this warrior of mighty men. Then there was Abishai, who's mentioned in a couple passages later. He's a commander, a, a captain of, of the army of King David. And he was a bad dude. It says that he killed 300 men with a spear. But then there was Beniah. Beniah was awesome. Beniah, it says that he killed two, uh, two lion-like men. Now I think of, like, I'm trying to think of a man that could be like that. I think of, like, Ray Lewis or Brian Urlacher. I don't know any of the new NFL players. But... I think about them, or I think about like somebody just crazy, like Wolverine, and he kills these warriors. But then it says, and then he killed a lion, which is enough that he's a bad guy. You joined the Lion Killer Club, but he did it in a pit on a snowy day. In a pit. Have you ever been around a raccoon that's cornered? It will tear you up. But a lion? This was a bad guy. And then it says that he took a spear from an Egyptian, and they were masters with spears, and he killed this Egyptian warrior with his own spear. Like these guys, they're the mighty men. They're powerful men. But you and I, we're mighty men and women of God. We should stand in that authority. We have authority in prayer. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous does good. We have authority in Christ Jesus to stand. And we have to stand in this culture. We're going to have some things thrown at us. But we got to stand on the cornerstone, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? But they were the mighty men. 
So verse 8 says, the Ammonites came out and they drew up in battle formation at the entrance of the city gate while the Armenians of Zobah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Makkah were by themselves in the open country. It says that Joab saw that the battle lines were in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops of Israel, and he deployed them against the Armenians, against those mercenaries. It says he put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, that mighty man of valor, and his, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. And Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. And he says, Be strong. Let us fight bravely for our people and for the cities of our God. And then he says, The Lord will do what is good in his sight. I want you to see is that Joab did not see all the options that he had of retreat and surrender. He saw one option, which was victory. That's what we should see. We should see victory. We're victors in Christ Jesus. Whether we combat sin or there's a principality and power of darkness behind some people that are causing you some issues, because we don't war against flesh and blood, but against every power, every potential that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we stand in the authority of Christ Jesus. How do we do that? We stand on his promises. We stand on his word. We're not thrown and tossed here. Well, maybe God will deliver me. Maybe he won't. We have to make a choice that we're going to stand firm and that he's going to take care of us. Amen, everybody? And you know the Lord, and he says the Lord will do what is good. You know the Lord wants good for your life and for my life. He wants good for you. Verse 13 says, When Joab and the troops with him advancing in the fight of the Armenians, that they fled before him, the Ammonites realized that the Armenians were fleeing, and they fled before Abishai, and they went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. Verse 15 says, After the Ammonites saw that they had been routed by Israel, they regrouped, had Ezer and the Armenians brought from beyond the Euphrates River, that's just really far north. And they went to Helim with Shabak, the commander of Hadiezer's army, leading them. What I want you to see is that, remember, David sent Joab. David was not with the nation of Israel. He, or he was with the nation, but he wasn't with the army of Israel. So he sends them. So David gets in this pattern of, I'm going to let Joab go to the battle. I'm going to let Joab and Abishai figure it out. And I think that that can happen to us. When we get in a place of complacency, of a pattern of, I'm going to let somebody else do it. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to wash people's feet. I'm, I, I don't need to read my word. I don't need to read the word. I don't need to go to that life group. I don't need to lead a life group. I don't need relationship. David didn't have that community around him, and what did he do? He looked down, and he saw Bathsheba, and then he committed adultery because he focused his mind on that. We need community. We need to be people of the Word. We need to be people of prayer. And, you know, we're going to have that rugged conference, and there's going to be, for, for all you guys, on August 19th at the Noblesville campus, we love you to sign up for it. It's going to be a wonderful time. There's gonna, we're going to be axe-throwing and... And there's going to be a short message, but it's really a time to come into other relationship with like-minded men. 
So sign up for Rugged at the, at the Welcome Center. It will be a really good time, just a little plug there. But we, we need to not have idle hands is what I'm trying to get across. Idle hands leads to evil thoughts. So we need to be people of the Spirit, walking in step by the Spirit. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. That's what we want. We don't want to allow these things to creep in. Verse 17 says, When David was told this, he gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan and went to Helim. The Arminians formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him. But they fled before Israel. David killed 700 of their charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. That's a lot. He also struck down Shabbok, the commander of their army, and he died there. Verse 19 says, When all the kings who were vassals of Hadiezer, they just were underneath him, saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to him. There's a couple of things I want you to see. The nation of Israel did not win this battle without the king there. We can't win the battle without the king. That means we have to submit to his ways. We have to ask him for his wisdom. Because we need wisdom. This world's crazy right now. But also, David should have been with the army. If he would have been with the army, they would have won quicker. They needed the king. You're important in the battle. You're part of the body of Christ. Don't be on the sidelines. You can make a difference like David, like Joab, like Abishai. So I'm asking you, don't, don't sit on the sidelines here at Life Church, get involved. Go to the growth track if you haven't. If you're not serving on the team, you can email me or Rebecca, and we'll get you on the team. We'll help you get serving because we need you. If we're going to reach as many people as we can, if we're going to father sons and daughters in the kingdom, we need your help. I need your help, and I'm asking for it. You're mighty men and women of valor. Be people of prayer and people of the word. But the last thing I want you to see is it says that they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. If we're not fully kneeled and submitted before our king and follow after him, you're given one way you can either follow him or you can kind of live your own life. And if you don't, one day, every, the Bible says every knee will bow. And every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth that Jesus is Lord. And the message of the gospel isn't just that Jesus came, he gave his life, died for our sins because of our sin, and then he rose from the dead and went to heaven, and that's it. No, the message of the gospel also says that he's coming back. And he's not coming to make friends. He's coming with the sword. It's just a report and reminder. I know we already did the salvation call. But we need to choose to follow our king because if we don't follow him willingly in this life, then we'll be forced to later and we'll be, it won't be good. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's what we want for everybody in our community. Amen, everybody? I'm not mad at you all. I love you all.
I say that a lot. I feel like I'm angry on stage, like that my face looks angry. No, I feel angry. My face looks angry. But we love you all. Would you all bow with me as we pray? If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.